0: Section five of an account of Egypt by Herodotus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Nagami. An account of Egypt by Herodotus. Section five. Moreover, it is true also that the egyptians were the first of men who made solemn assemblies and processions and approaches to the temples and from them the hellenes have learnt them and my evidence for this is that the egyptian celebrations of these have been held from a very ancient time whereas the hellenic were introduced but lately the egyptians hold their solemn assemblies not once in a year but often especially and with the greatest zeal and devotion at the city of Bubastis for artemis and next at busiris for isis for in this last-named city there is a very great temple of isis and this city stands in the middle of the delta of egypt now isis is in the tongue of the hellenes demeter thirdly they have a solemn assembly at the city of sais for athena fourthly at heliopolis for the sun helios fifthly at the city of buto in honour of Leto and sixthly at the city of Paprimus for Ares. now when they are coming to the city of bubastis they do as follows they sail men and women together and a great multitude of each sex in every boat and some of the women have rattles and rattle with them while some of the men play the flute during the whole time of the voyage and the rest both women and men sing and clap their hands and when as they sail they come opposite to any city on the way they bring the boat to land and some of the women continue to do as i have said others cry aloud and jeer at the women in that city some dance and some stand up and pull up their garments this they do by every city along the river bank and when they come to bubastis they hold festival, celebrating great sacrifices, and more wine of grapes is consumed upon that festival than during the whole rest of the year. To this place, so say the natives, they come together year by year, even to the number of seventy myriads of men and women, besides children. Thus it is done here, and how they celebrate the festival in honor of Isis at the city of Bucyrus has been told by me before for as i said they beat themselves in mourning after the sacrifice all of them both men and women very many myriads of people but for whom they beat themselves it is not permitted to me by religion to say and so many as there are of the carians dwelling in egypt do this even more than the egyptians themselves inasmuch as they cut their foreheads also with knives and by this it is manifested that they are strangers and not Egyptians. At the times when they gather together at the city of Sais for their sacrifices, on a certain night they all kindle lamps, many in number, in the open air round about the houses. Now the lamps are saucers, full of salt and oil mixed, and the wick floats by itself on the surface, and this burns during the whole night, and to the festival is given the name like nokia the lighting of lamps moreover those of the egyptians who have not come to this solemn assembly observe the night of the festival and themselves also light lamps all of them and thus not in sais alone are they lighted but all over egypt and as to the reason why light and honor are allotted to this night about this there is a sacred story told to heliopolis and buto they go year by year and do sacrifice only but at papremis they do sacrifice and worship as elsewhere and besides that when the sun begins to go down while some few of the priests are occupied with the image of the god the greater number of them stand in the entrance of the temple with wooden clubs and other persons to the number of more than a thousand men with purpose to perform a vow these also having all of them staves of wood stand in a body opposite to those and the image which is in a small shrine of wood covered over with gold they take out on the day before to another sacred building the few then who have been left about the image draw a wain with four wheels which bears the shrine and the image that is within the shrine and the other priests standing in the gateway try to prevent it from entering and the men who are under a vow come to the assistance of the god and strike them, while the others defend themselves. Then there comes to be a hard fight with staves, and they break one another's heads, and I am of opinion that many even die of the wounds they receive. The Egyptians, however, told me that no one died. This solemn assembly the people of the place say that they established for the following reason. The mother of Ares, they say, used to dwell in this temple, and Ares, having been brought up away from her, when he grew up, came thither desiring to visit his mother, and the attendance of his mother's temple, not having seen him before, did not permit him to pass in, but kept him away, and he brought men to help him from another city, and handled roughly the attendants of the temple, and entered to visit his mother. Hence, they say, this exchange of blows has become the custom in honor of Ares upon his festival the egyptians were the first who made it a point of religion not to lie with women in temples nor to enter into temples after going away from women without first bathing for almost all other men except the egyptians and the hellenes lie with women in temples and enter into a temple after going away from women without bathing since they hold that there is no difference in this respect between men and beasts for they say that they see beasts and the various kinds of birds coupling together both in the temples and in the sacred enclosures of the gods if this then were not pleasing to the god the beasts would not do so thus do these defend that which they do which by me is disallowed but the egyptians are excessively careful in their observances both in other matters which concern the sacred rites and also in those which follow Egypt, though it borders upon Libya, does not very much abound in wild animals, but such as they have are one and all accounted by them sacred, some of them living with men and others not. But if I should say for what reasons the sacred animals have been thus dedicated, I should fall into discourse of matters pertaining to the gods, of which I most desire not to speak. And what I have actually said touching slightly upon them, i said because i was constrained by necessity about these animals there is a custom of this kind persons have been appointed of the egyptians both men and women to provide the food for each kind of beast separately and their office goes down from father to son and those who dwell in the various cities perform vows to them thus that is when they make a vow to the god to whom the animal belongs they shave the head of their children either the whole or half or the third part of it and then set the hair in the balance against silver and whatever it weighs this the man gives to the person who provides for the animals and she cuts up fish of equal value and gives it for food to the animals thus food for their support has been appointed and if any one kills any of these animals the penalty if he do it with his own will is death and if against his will such penalty as the priests may appoint. But whosoever shall kill an ibis or a hawk, whether it be with his will or against his will, must die. Of the animals that live with men, there are great numbers, and would be many more but for the accidents which befall the cats. For when the females have produced young, they are no longer in the habit of going to the males, and these, seeking to be united with them, are not able." to this end then they contrive as follows they either take away by force or remove secretly the young from the females and kill them but after killing they do not eat them and the females being deprived of their young and desiring more therefore come to the males for it is a creature that is fond of its young moreover when a fire occurs the cats seem to be divinely possessed for while the Egyptians stand at intervals and look after the cats, not taking any care to extinguish the fire, the cats, slipping through or leaping over the men, jump into the fire, and when this happens, great mourning comes upon the Egyptians. And in whatever houses a cat has died of a natural death, all those who dwell in this house shave their eyebrows only. But those in which a dog has died shave their whole body and also their head. The cats, when they are dead, are carried away to sacred buildings in the city of Bubastis, where, after being embalmed, they are buried. But the dogs, they bury each people in their own city in sacred tombs, and the ignoimans are buried just in the same way as the dogs. The shrew-mice, however, and the hawks, they carry away to the city of Puto, and the ibises to Hermopolis the bears which are not commonly seen and the wolves not much larger in size than foxes they vary on the spot where they are found lying of the crocodile the nature is as follows during the foremost wintry months this creature eats nothing she has four feet and is an animal belonging to the land and the water both for she produces and hatches eggs on the land and the most part of the day she remains upon dry land but the whole of the night in the river for the water in truth is warmer than the unclouded open air and the dew of all the mortal creatures of which we have knowledge this grows to the greatest bulk from the smallest beginning for the eggs which she produces are not much bigger than those of geese and the newly hatched young one is in proportion to the egg but as he grows, he becomes as much as seventeen cubits long, and sometimes yet larger. He has eyes like those of a pig, and teeth large and tusky, in proportion to the size of his body, but unlike all other beasts, he grows no tongue. Neither does he move his lower jaw, but brings the upper jaw toward the lower, being in this too unlike all other beasts. He has, moreover, strong claws and a scaly hide upon his back, which cannot be pierced, and he is blind in the water, but in the air he is a very keen sight. Since he has his living in the water, he keeps his mouth all full within of leeches, and whereas all other birds and beasts fly from him, the troculus is a creature which is at peace with him, seeing that from her he receives benefit. For the crocodile having come out of the water to the land and then having opened his mouth this he is wont to do generally toward the west wind the trochilus, upon that enters into his mouth and swallows down the leeches and he being benefited is pleased and does no harm to the trochilus. now for some of the egyptians the crocodiles are sacred animals and for others not so but they treat them on the contrary as enemies those however who dwell about thebes and about the lake of moiris hold them to be most sacred and each of these two peoples keeps one crocodile selected from the whole number which has been trained to tameness and they put hanging ornaments of molten stone and gold into the ears of these and anklets round the front feet and they give them food appointed and victims of sacrifices and treat them as well as possible while they live and after they are dead they bury them in sacred tombs, embalming them. But those who dwell about the city of Elephantine even eat them, not holding them to be sacred. They are called not crocodiles, but chompsi, and the Ionians gave them the name of Crocodile, comparing their form to that of the crocodiles, lizards, which appear in their country in the stone walls. There are many ways in use of catching them, and of various kinds. I shall describe that which to me seems the most worthy of being told. A man puts the back of a pig upon a hook as bait, and lets it go into the middle of the river, while he himself upon the bank of the river has a young live pig which he beats, and the crocodile, hearing its cries, makes for the direction of the sound. And when he finds the pig's back he swallows it down, Then they pull, and when he is drawn out to land, first of all the hunter forthwith plasters up his eyes with mud, and having done so, he very easily gets the mastery of him, but if he does not do so, he has much trouble. The river horse is sacred to the district of Paprimus, but for the other Egyptians he is not sacred, and this is the appearance which he presents. He is four-footed, cloven hoofed like an ox, flat-nosed with a mane like a horse and showing teeth like tusks with a tail and voice like a horse and in size as large as the largest ox and his hide is so exceedingly thick that when it has been dried shafts of javelins are made of it there are moreover otters in the river which they consider to be sacred and of fish also they esteem that which is called the lepidotos to be sacred and also the eel, and these, they say, are sacred to the Nile, and of birds the fox-goose. There is also another sacred bird called the phoenix, which I did not see myself except in painting, for in truth he comes to them very rarely, at intervals, as the people of Heliopolis say, of five hundred years. And these say that he comes regularly when his father dies, and if he be like the painting, he is of this size and nature, that is to say, some of his feathers are of gold colour and others red, and an outline in outline and size, he is as nearly as possible like an eagle. This bird, they say, but I cannot believe the story, contrives as follows: setting forth from Arabia, he conveys his father, they say, to the temple of the sun, Helios, plastered up in myrrh, and buries him in the temple of the sun and he conveys him thus he forms first an egg of myrrh as large as he is able to carry and then he makes trial of carrying it and when he has made trial sufficiently then he hollows out the egg and places his father within it and plasters over with other myrrh that part of the egg where he hollowed it out to put his father in and when his father is laid in it it proves they say to be of the same weight as it was and after he has plastered it up he conveys the whole to Egypt, to the temple of the sun. Thus they say that this bird does. There are also about Thebes sacred serpents, not at all harmful to men, which are small in size and have two horns growing from the top of the head. These they bury when they die in the temple of Zeus, for to this god they say that they are sacred. There is a region, moreover, in Arabia, situated nearly over against the city of Buto, to which place, i came to inquire about the winged serpents and when i came thither i saw bones of serpents and spines in quantity so great that it is impossible to make report of the number and there were heaps of spines some heaps large and others less large and others smaller still than these and these heaps were many in number this region in which the spines are scattered upon the ground is of the nature of an entrance from a narrow mountain pass to a great plain which plain adjoins the plain in egypt and the story goes that at the beginning of spring winged serpents from arabia fly toward egypt and the birds called ibises meet them at the entrance to this country and do not suffer the serpents to go by but kill them on account of this deed it is say the arabians that the ibises come to be greatly honoured by the egyptians and the Egyptians also agree that it is for this reason that they honor these birds. The outward form of the ibis is this. It is deep black all over and has legs like those of a crane and a very curved beak, and in size it is about equal to a rail. This is the appearance of the black kind which fight with the serpents, but of those which most crowd round men's feet, for there are two several kinds of ibises, the head is bare and also the whole of the throat and it is white in feathering except the head and neck and the extremities of the wings and the rump in all these parts of which i have spoken it is deep black while in legs and in the form of the head it resembles the other as for the serpent its form is like that of the water-snake and it has wings not feathered but most nearly resembling the wings of the bat let so much suffice as has been said now concerning sacred animals. Of the Egyptians themselves, those who dwell in the part of Egypt which is sown for crops practice memory more than any other men, and are the most learned in history by far of all those of whom I have had experience, and their manner of life is as follows. For three successive days in each month they purge hunting after health with emetics and clysters, and they think that all the diseases which exist are produced in men by the food on which they live. For the Egyptians are from other causes also the most healthy of all men next after the Libyans, in my opinion, on account of the seasons, because the seasons do not change, for by the changes of things generally, and especially of the seasons, diseases are most apt to be produced in men. And as to their diet, it is as follows. They eat bread, making loaves of maize which they call chylestis, and they use habitually a wine made out of barley, for vines they have not in their land. Of their fish, some they dry on the sun and then eat them without cooking, others they eat cured in brine. Of birds, they eat quails and ducks, and small birds without cooking, after first curing them and everything else which they have belonging to the class of birds or fishes, except such as have been set apart for them as sacred, they eat roasted or boiled. In the entertainments of the rich among them, when they have finished eating, a man bears round a wooden figure of a dead body in a coffin, made as like the reality as may be, both by painting and carving, and measuring about a cubit or two cubits each way. And this he shows to each of those who are drinking together, saying, when thou lookest upon this drink and be merry for thou shall be such as this when thou art dead thus they do at their carousals the customs which they practice are derived from their fathers and they do not acquire others in addition but besides other customary things among them which are worthy of mention they have one song that of Linos, the same who is sung of both in phoenicia and cyprus and elsewhere, having, however, a name different according to the various nations. This song agrees exactly with that which the Hellenes sing, calling on the name of Linos, so that, besides many other things about which I wonder among those matters which concern Egypt, I wonder especially about this, namely, whence they got the song of Linos. It is evident, however, that they have sung this song from immemorial time, and in the Egyptian tongue, Linos is called Maneros. The Egyptians told me that he was the only son of him who first became king of Egypt, and that he died before his time, and was honored with these lamentations by the Egyptians, and that this was their first and only song. In another respect, the Egyptians are in agreement with some of the Hellenes, namely with the Lacedaemonians, but not with the rest. That is to say, The younger of them, when they meet the elder, give way and move out of the path, and when their elders approach, they rise out of their seat. In this which follows, however, they are not in agreement with any of the Hellenes. Instead of addressing one another in the roads, they do reverence, lowering their hand down to their knee. They wear tunics of linen about their legs with fringes, which they call colesiris. Above these they have garments of white wool thrown over, woollen garments however are not taken into the temples nor are they buried with them for this is not permitted by religion in these points they are in agreement with the observances called orphic and bacchic which are really egyptian and also with those of the pythagoreans for one who takes part in these mysteries is also forbidden by religious rule to be buried in woollen garments and about this there is a sacred story told Besides these things, the Egyptians have found out also to what God each month and each day belongs, and what fortunes a man will meet with who is born on any particular day, and how he will die, and what kind of man he will be. And these inventions were taken up by those of the Hellenes, who occupied themselves about poesy. Portents too, have been found out by them, more than by all other men besides, for when a portent has happened they observe and write down the event which comes of it and if ever afterwards anything resembling this happens they believe that the event which comes of it will be similar their divination is ordered thus the art is assigned not to any man but to certain of the gods for there are in their land oracles of heracles of apollo of athena of artemis or ares and of zeus and moreover that which they hold most in honour of all namely the oracle of lido which is the city of buto the manner of divination however is not established among them according to the same fashion everywhere but is different in different places the art of medicine among them is distributed thus each physician is a physician of one disease and of no more and the whole country is full of physicians for some profess themselves to be physicians of the eyes others of the head others of the teeth Others of the affections of the stomach, and others of the more obscure ailments. End of section 5. Recording by Pamela Nagami, M.D.